Welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. I'm Ben Burkhart, your host, and on this podcast, we share refreshing and faith-building biblical truths. I hope you'll plan to join us on a regular basis. God bless you, and let's jump in to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Ben Burkhart here. I'm so glad to have you back today on the podcast, and today we are sharing a message that I recently shared before a live audience. Today's message is fulfillment. How can I find true satisfaction? How can we find it? Well, a lot of people think they know how to find happiness, but the Bible tells us how we can truly find happiness that lasts, happiness that endures, happiness that is not merely a mirage or something way off in the distance that we can never catch up with. It's not an illusion, it's the real thing. And so we're going to be looking at that today in the message. This message, as I mentioned, is something that was recorded recently before a live audience, and so I hope you'll receive a blessing from this message today, and I will look forward to joining you again next week for the podcast. We've got lots of great stuff today and each week on Tuesdays. We launch this this uh, podcast. So let me say a prayer for you today as we begin this journey. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love. I just want to pray that you'll bless our listeners today in a special way. Lord, may they find your peace and grace in their lives. May they find true contentment in their lives. And I just pray that they will find that wonderful and lasting peace and joy that you alone are offering. Thank you, Lord, so much for this, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's your message for today, and God bless you. So our message today is finding true fulfillment. A lot of people in the world today are looking for fulfillment. They're looking for satisfaction. How can I find true happiness in this life, true satisfaction in this life? We have a lot of examples throughout history of people who were looking for that fulfillment, looking for that satisfaction. One of the stories that Jesus tells us in the New Testament is the story that we know today as the prodigal son. This young boy who was working with his father, working with his brother, he looked at his life and looked at what was outside of the family circle and outside of the family realm and thought that perhaps those things out there would be better for him. And so, as you know the story, he asked his father to give him his portion of the inheritance, to take it early, to cash out early, and to go out into the world to what he believed would be a better life, a better way. And so his father, in kindness, probably also in wisdom, decided to let his son make this decision that he was determined to make. And the son went out into the world. We find the story in Luke 15. If you have your Bibles, you can take a look at Luke 15 for a moment. In Luke 15, there are three parables or comparisons or stories that are made. There's the lost sheep, there's the lost coin, and there's the lost son. And this story is about the lost son. 
This is in Luke 15 and verse 11. It tells about the man with two sons, and it tells about him taking his portion in verse 12, dividing to him his living. And it tells us in verse 13 that not many days after the son received this early inheritance, he gathered everything up, he took his journey, and he went into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. He thought maybe it would be a more fulfilling life to go out there and have a party, that life would be a party. You know, it might be one thing if the son took that money and went to invest it somewhere uh, in an enterprise and maybe he you know, would make something of his abilities, but unfortunately, that's not what happened. The Bible tells us he went out to, to have what he felt would be a good time and a fulfilling time. And at the end of this situation, he ends up with a famine coming into the land, that hardship comes. On top of his already difficult situation, a famine comes into the land, and he ends up going to work for a man who raises pigs. And he can only watch those pigs eat and wish that he had the food. The Bible says that in verse 15, that I think it's verse oh, 15 and 16. 16 is where it comes in. It says, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Pretty difficult times. After unfortunately making some decisions in life that he thought would bring happiness, he found that they would not bring happiness, and things only got worse from there as the situation in the world around him turned. Now, this world today makes a lot of promises, doesn't it? The world will promise a lot of things, but the world alone cannot provide what we truly need. The promises of the world, money, fame, whatever it might be, a good time with your friends, all of that cannot truly fulfill us if we are missing the most important ingredient, God and His wisdom. If we are missing those things. Apart from God, this world can only make empty promises. It will never fulfill. It will never satisfy. We will never find that satisfaction. And so many throughout history have experienced this, such as we find in this story of the lost son. The world does not truly satisfy. It does not truly fulfill. In fact, people have found themselves left empty. And the devil makes a lot of promises that if we will just give our soul in exchange, he will hand us the world on a silver platter. He'll hand us all those things. But in the end, what will we find? Only emptiness. In fact, the only thing that we're going to get from the devil is ultimately death. Ultimately, destruction. Ultimately, suffering. And then it will end. So, what hope do we have? Well, we have the hope of the Scriptures. We have the hope of a better way, a better life. And Jesus shows us that having the better life, having the better way, having fulfillment is truly possible. Even though many things in this world are stacked against us, there are a lot of challenges that we face in this life and temptations that we face in this life that would lead us down those wrong paths. Jesus shows us that there is hope to overcome every challenge, to overcome every temptation that would come our way. 
And I love the scriptures that are found in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus overcomes the, the temptations of the enemy. Let's go on over to Matthew 4 and verse 8 to take a look at the experience of Jesus and how he overcame. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 8 through verse 10. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, how Jesus overcame the temptations of the enemy. The Bible says here, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. See, the devil was promising Jesus the world, wasn't he? He said, Jesus, look at all of these amazing kingdoms of the world. Look at their glory. Look at the shininess of all of these beautiful cities and these palaces and these peoples and kingdoms. Look, it's wonderful, and I'll give it to you, he says. Now, actually, the devil doesn't really own these things, does he? But he pretty much claims ownership because the world is sold in sin, and the devil claims all of that. And so here he says to Jesus, if you will bow down to me and worship me. In other words, if you will sell your soul to the devil, then he will provide all the happiness that you want, all the comforts of the world that you would like, all the treasures of the earth the devil promises to Jesus. If only he would sell his soul to the devil. If only he would bow down and worship Satan. And that's what the devil is offering to people today. He says, I'll give you satisfaction, I'll give you money, fame, happiness, everything that you would ever want, if only you will do this. If only you will compromise your faith in God and compromise your faith in the scriptures. The devil puts out that offer to everyone today in the world, to all of us, he puts out the offer. But how does Jesus respond? In verse 10, let's notice what Jesus says. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil left him. And the Bible tells us that angels came and ministered unto Jesus. They came and comforted Jesus. As we face the temptations in the world today, how are we feeling? How are we responding? Do we feel beaten down? Do we feel sorely tempted? Like something is going to pull us in the wrong direction. The Bible tells us to hold on in Christ, to hold on in Jesus and His power, and to know that if we stick to God and stick to His Word, God will see us through that temptation. God will see us through that trial, and the Lord will bring us our comfort. The true comfort, the true satisfaction comes from God. The Bible tells us here that the Lord sent His angels to minister unto Jesus, to comfort Him. And I praise God for those angels of mercy today, that God sends mercy into our life. He sends comfort and hope and happiness into our life. When we face temptations, when we face trials, God brings that peace and joy. As we cling to Him, as we cling to His promises in faith, 
This is what Jesus did. Jesus lived by the word of God. In every instance where he was tempted, he said, it is written. Jesus went straight back to the word of God, the scriptures, the promises of God, the teachings of God, to know the direction that he should pursue when he faced that trial or that temptation. It is always the word of God that will direct us in a safe path. If we do not have the word firmly in our minds and choose to live by it, we're in big trouble. We're heading for big trouble. We must have the word of God planted firmly in our hearts and in our minds that we love it and we want to live by it. And we call out to the Lord our God for help. Jesus lived by prayer and by trust in his heavenly Father, didn't he? He showed us the way to live, that through believing the scriptures and trusting God, we have power to overcome the temptations of the enemy. When the enemy is offering us the world, some other life, some other way, God is reminding us to come back to his word, to stand true to what the Bible says, and to not follow these temptations and voices of the enemy. The enemy comes in many different forms, doesn't he? And he brings those voices and those temptations, whatever he can to try and draw us away from our allegiance to God, from our dedication to God, and to the principles of his word. The enemy is always trying to attack, to assail the very principles of our faith, the very teachings of God's word. He is trying to pull us away from these things to get us to compromise our faith. It's exactly what he did to Jesus. But Jesus was victorious. Jesus overcame because he lived by a thus saith the Lord. He did not rely upon feelings. He relied upon principle and his faith was in the word of God, rooted in the word of God. We must be rooted and grounded in the word, depending upon God to see us through every challenge that we face. Have you ever wondered about the Bible? What does it really mean? While some things are simple to understand, other things are not as easy. Questions like, how will Jesus come? What will the end of the world really be like? What happens when we die? And is there really a hellfire where the devil roasts people for endless ages? How can I find personal peace in my life? And if God is love, why is the world so evil? These are very important questions, and the Bible has clear answers to all of those questions. To begin your Bible study journey, please visit woosda.com. That's W-O-O-S-D-A.com. Now this reminds me of another story, a story that was not so victorious, and that is a story that we find in the book of Genesis, the Garden of Guilt. We've just looked at the wilderness of conflict that Jesus faced and that we all face in this life. But let's go back for a moment to look at the garden where guilt came upon the human race. Genesis chapter 3, we find the story of where this tempter first came after mankind. Genesis chapter 3, and we find from verses 4 and 5 and, and the verse following, we find the story of how Eve gave in to the voice of the serpent. The devil always comes and he comes into families, uh, into our homes here. He came to Adam and Eve, and he came specifically to Eve because he knew that this is where he could find an entrance. He could find something in her mind. And notice here in verse 4, the serpent said unto the woman, 
ye shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What does the devil promise to humanity? Yes, he came to Eve. The Bible says she's the mother of all living. So in essence, she's our great-great-grandmother to which degree? I'm not sure, but way back there. So Eve, the mother of all living, the devil comes to her and she knows what God says. She knows what the Word of God teaches. She has it in her mind that she is not to eat from that fruit which God had strictly forbidden. She knows what God said. The Word is there. And yet, the devil seizes this moment, this opportunity, to plant a seed of doubt in her mind about the Word of God. To get her to be thinking about following possibly another voice instead of the voice of God. This is what the serpent was doing, planting the seed of doubt. He said, you will not surely die, even though she knew the wages of sin is death. She knew what would be the result if I make this bad choice, if I make this wrong decision, death will come. And yet the devil said, no, no, you've got it all wrong. Death won't come. You can enjoy this. You can do this. In fact, the devil points out in verse 5, he says, God knows that in the day you eat of it, then your eyes will be opened and you'll be like gods, knowing good and evil. He sugarcoated sin. He made it look attractive, made it look like it was good, like it was something to be desired. And this is what the devil is doing to us today, that he comes and he says, hey, look, this is very attractive. I mean, how can God tell you not to do this? God's just trying to keep you from having fun. God's trying to keep you from having fulfillment. And so the devil points out that, hey, my way is a better way. You won't have any consequences. And he plants those seeds of doubt. And he tries to make sin look as beautiful, as attractive as he possibly can. And by doing so, he gets us to waver in our faith. He gets us to doubt a very clear, a very plain, thus saith the Lord. And then he leads her to trust something else, something that is not so stable as the principles of the Word of God something that can really not guide us in the right way at all, something that is very, very shaky, the enemy gets us to trust in that instead. And so he, in fact, tells us that, that we can't trust God and he impugns the motives of God. He says, look, God's just trying to keep you from having a good time, uh, from becoming something better. And so he's trying to make God look like the enemy to make God look like the bad guy when God's just telling us the truth and God's just trying to help, but the enemy tries to make God look like the enemy. And so we find in verse 6 the results of this discussion with the serpent. Notice verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Some of the saddest words in the whole Bible. 
that launched this journey of sin that we have been suffering for thousands of years. That unfortunately, she took of the fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband. Not only did she take the plunge, but she led others to take a plunge with her. And where did this begin? With the tempter of our souls. And the tempter was presenting the tree as if it was something to be desired. And as Eve bought this lie of the serpent, as she started to believe these doubts and things that Satan was insinuating against God's word, well, then she distanced herself a bit from the word of God and she started to rely upon something else, to trust something else in place of the implicit word of God, the clear word of God. And that was the voice of the enemy and her own sense of judgment instead of God's divine judgment. God's divine word, she put that down and she exalted now her own word in the place of God's word. And in fact, her own feelings were put in the place of God's word. You notice that the Bible says in verse 6, the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Okay, it looks good to me. I don't see anything wrong with it. We've heard that before, right? She says, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. So the woman saw, oh, the tree, it looks good for food and it's pleasant to the eyes. So very, a lot of sensations, right? It looks, it looks so good. Oh, wow, this would be great. I'll really have an experience if I eat this fruit. That'll really make me happy. No, that won't make us happy. She thought so somehow doubting the word of God. And it says that the tree is to be desired to make one wise. So relying upon feelings, relying upon sensations and senses and the, the voice of the enemy planting doubt, relying upon those things, Eve took the plunge into sin. And forever after, humanity was deeply affected. All of us are deeply affected today because of that, that sin. Self-judgment was followed instead of divine guidance. Worldly counsel was followed instead of divine counsel, God's counsel. And God's holy wisdom was supplanted and the result was sin and suffering. It led humanity into guilt. Notice verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So after all of this, after the decision to sin, after that supposedly grand escape to a better life, after that, then the eyes were really opened and they saw something for sure. But it wasn't what they were hoping to see. It wasn't so good once they made that step across into this other life, this other world, this other journey outside of God's expressed will. It wasn't so good. Their eyes were opened, but they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Why? Because they were ashamed of their nakedness. They felt 
the guilt resting upon them because of this choice to sin, this choice to depart from God's Word, this choice to believe the lies of the serpent, the suggestions of the enemy. How sad is this situation. And yet God today would like to spare us from this situation. God today would like to reach out to us in love and mercy and save us from all of the heartache, to save us from all of the trouble, to give us a better way, to give us His way, which is the only perfect way, which is the only way that can truly satisfy. God wants to save us. And yet here, mankind had fallen. And still, God reached out in love to fallen mankind. Still, God reached out in mercy to fallen mankind. Yes, they were trying to hide. They wanted to run and get in the bushes. Lord, we can't face you. We're naked. God says, well, who told you that anyway, that you're naked? And so, you know, he called them to task on the fact that they had sinned, that they had gone the wrong way. Today, God wants to open up our eyes to him. And he wants us to see his way and trust his way and not trust the way of the enemy. Because in the end, we will never find peace. We will never find satisfaction in the way of the enemy. It won't happen. So that brings me to the promise of peace. God has a promise of peace for us today. He shows us the way, the way of happiness. And the prophet Isaiah talks about this in chapter 57. So if you have your Bibles nearby, let's go to Isaiah 57 and verse 19. Isaiah chapter 57. We're going to be looking there from verse 19. Isaiah 57, verse 19. And it says here, from the voice of the Lord, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. Does God offer us hope in this world today that he will bring healing to our lives, that he will set us on a better path, a better course that is according to his word? He promises to bring healing to a people who have been broken, to a people who have been marred and hurt by sin, God promises to bring healing. And that is a wonderful promise, that promise of peace, that promise of hope and of healing. And so the Bible tells us here that peace is given to us from the Lord, peace to those who are far off from God, and peace to those who are near to God. He provides peace. And the Bible tells us in verse 20, there is a great contrast to this hopeful plan of God, this hope-filled plan of God. There is a great contrast, and that's in verse 20. It says, but, but the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. There is no peace when we choose the way of sin. When we choose to follow the voice of the enemy, there is no peace. There will not be peace. The Bible tells us that we will be like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. Waters casting up mire and dirt. When the sea gets really, really stormy, 
when those waves are tossing here and there, there is no peace. There is only trouble. And that is the life that we will live if we follow the voice of the enemy, the voice of the serpent. It will be a very, very troubled life. There will be no peace. There will be no happiness and joy and healing. The only way of peace is the way that God prescribes in His Word. The way that God shows us in His Word, that is the only way of true peace. And we have to trust what God is telling us. We have to trust His Holy Word. I'm going to share one more scripture and we'll close this message with a special thought. The scripture is Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. It's a very short psalm. Psalms chapter 1, you can follow in your Bible. Psalms chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now think about these two verses. The Bible says, Blessed is the man. Now I would like to be blessed. I'd like to have God's blessings in my lives. How about you? In my life and and your lives. We want those blessings, don't we? And the Bible says that we will be blessed if we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, the ungodly world is all around us. And there's a lot of counsel out there from the ungodly world. Hey, you know, just do this or do that. Who cares? You'll have a better life if you just follow this way. But whose way is the world following today? The world is not following God's way. And a lot of times we go to Google to get our questions answered. We look it up on the internet. And what is Google telling us? Well, you hope you're getting the Bible on there. (laughs) You hope you're not listening to somebody who's just a supposed expert of the world, supposedly knows how how it's all done. The real expert on life is God. The real expert is the Scriptures. God has revealed to us the truth here. And I hope if you're on Google, it's pulling up Scripture. (laughs) So we have to be careful about what kinds of voices are coming into our life because the enemy will not cease to, to feed the lies into our minds. And so the Bible says we are blessed if we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful, but we do this, verse 2, we delight in the law of the Lord, and in His law do we meditate day and night. This is where the blessing is found. When we spend that time in our Bibles every day, and in prayer and meditation and seeking God. This is where the blessing will be found in the Holy Scriptures. God will teach us so many powerful truths and He will guide us so that when we face the temptations, we will quickly recognize the deceiving lies of the enemy. We will quickly recognize them because, you know, the Scripture tells me that way is a wrong way. And we trust what the Bible is saying. God reveals it so clearly in His Word This is the right way. Walk ye in it. And that's the voice that we need daily on our ears, morning and evening. We need to be spending time in God's Word so that very quickly we can recognize when the deceptive lies of the serpent are hovering around. 
when they're reaching our ear, we'll say, wait a second, that's not right. That's not right. Because God's word tells me the way that is right. Verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That is such a beautiful promise of the result of following God's word and daily learning God's word. This is the promise that will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That tree is not going anywhere. When the drought comes, when the hard times come, that tree is staying right there. That tree has its roots sunk deep right near the river. It's got plenty of water down below. That tree will survive through the time of trouble and storm. That tree is planted in the right place and it has its roots down there sucking up that wonderful water to stay strong through any kind of weather or environment. That is the promise of God's Word. It says that this tree brings forth fruit in his season. And that's the fruit of righteousness. As the Bible talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, um, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. There's probably a couple versions in there, but you have all of these wonderful uh, promises of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that tree that is deeply rooted and connected to the Lord and His Word will be producing wonderful fruit because the Spirit of God will be alive in our hearts. The Word of God will be alive in our hearts and the fruit that will be produced will be wonderful. And you know, this is the kind of tree you can depend on. If you're looking for a good tree, if you're looking for a tree that's got some shade for you, if you're looking for a tree that's got some fruit for you when you're weary and in need, that tree planted by the waters is a good tree to be with, right? So that tree, that's what we need. We need to be that, that stable tree that doesn't leave even if the world goes south. And the only way we can experience this is when we're filling our hearts and minds with the Word of God every day, morning and evening, seeking the Lord in prayer because the power comes from God. The strength comes from God. The guidance and direction come from the Word of God. And the Bible says here that our leaf will not wither and whatever we do will prosper. That's a blessing. We want to have a life that is prospering and doing well. We don't want our leaves withering and dropping off. We don't want fruit that's falling off and, and not any good. We want to be healthy and strong. And the only way to be healthy and strong is to be intimately connected with God, to be fed by His Holy Word and directed by Him. The Bible says clearly here, the ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There is only one place to which evil is heading, and that is to ultimate destruction. The Bible says the way of the ungodly will perish. Only the way of God, the way of the righteous, will bring blessing. But the way of the wicked will bring misery and ultimately destruction. The way of the wicked will perish. I want the way of the Lord here as I look at these two choices. We only have two choices. There's only two. Either we're listening to God's voice and we'll be blessed, or we're listening to the enemy and we're heading for destruction. 
those are the only two paths. So when we look back to that story we started with, the prodigal son, if only he thought of these scriptures, if only he thought of the wisdom of God, the direction of God's word, it would have shown him how to make those right choices and that he did not need to go out there and think he was going to find happiness in the world because the happiness was right there in his home with God. The happiness was right there following God's ways. That is where the true happiness and the true satisfaction are. And that brings me to our closing story about a young teenager who had a terrible argument with his dad. Yes, it happens. Young people getting into fights, getting into arguments with their parents. It happens. And so this reckless teenager got into a very bad argument with his father. He stormed out of the house and his last words were this, I'm leaving and you will never see me again. You will never see me again. And that young person launched out into the world on their own with those final words to, the, to their parent, to their father. And this young person, this young boy, he went out on his own and he had three very difficult years bouncing from here to there. Couldn't find stability. He was suffering. He was hurting out there in the world. The, the good things he hoped that he would find, thinking that life was better outside of his home, he didn't find out there. He was bouncing around and, and hurting. And as he thought about it, as he thought about it, he felt a little bit bad. Why did I do that to my father? Why did I say that to my father? And one day he, after thinking that, mustered up the courage to call and speak to his mother. And he let the mother know that he was thinking about coming home, but he said, Mom, please talk to Dad and, and let him know. And, and if he really wants me back, if he wants me to come home, then have him communicate that to me. And the boy said, I'm going to be coming home on a train, and this train just happens to run below the property of the family. There's a big hillside there next to the train track, and their house is up there on the hill. And the boy said, I'm going to ride into our town on that train, and if Dad wants me back, have him hang out a white flag or a sheet or something to let me know. And so the boy, he went ahead and got on that train, and he started coming to his, back to his home. And as he sat down, it just so happened that he sat down next to a minister there on the train. They were riding together, and the boy told the story to this minister. So as they were riding along, they get there to the, uh, to the hillside, but the boy, he doesn't want to look. He told the, the man, he said, I, I don't want to look. I don't know if he's even going to put out anything for me. I'm not sure he'll even want me back. After what I said and what I did, and I abandoned home and went out there and made a fool of myself for three years, I'm not sure if he'll even want me back. And so the boy said, can you look for me? So the minister was looking over there at the hillside, at the, the house to see if there was a, a white flag. And so the boy was just you know, having his head down, but the minister tapped him on the shoulder. He said, son, you better look up. And so he looked. And it wasn't just a flag. 
The entire hillside was covered in white. Every white shirt, every white sheet, everything. They gave it all for their son. That love. God has amazing love for us. Incredible love. How can we turn from such love? The boy was welcomed home with open arms, with God's amazing love. You know, God is talking to us today, and He's asking us to choose life. He's asking us to choose Him, to choose His way. The enemy is talking, yes. He's showing us all the things of the world and says, come on out and take it. And God says, no, that's not the way. That's not happiness. That's not joy. And God is calling us today to come, to choose life, to choose joy, to choose His way. Because the only way that we will find true fulfillment and satisfaction is through Jesus Christ. It's through His healing love and His healing grace. It's through the word of truth, the word of life. And today God is calling us to live by the word of God, to let the Bible be our guide, to not let the feelings of this world or the offers of this world be alluring us, but to let God be leading us by His every word that He has spoken. And I pray today that we will make that decision to say, Lord, I'm going to spend every day in Your Word, in the morning, in the evening. I'm going to pray and seek You, Lord, because I know that Your way is right here in the Word. And when I face a temptation or a trial or a struggle, any situation in my life, I'm going to go back to the Bible and let that be my guide and my direction. I'm not going to hang my decisions on the offers of the world, on the temptations of, of the serpent. I'm not going to hang it there. I'm going to trust on the sure word of God. I'm not going to depend upon my own judgment, my own feelings. I'm going to trust in the clearly stated word of God. Today, do we want to say that to the Lord? That, Lord, I want that experience with you. Lord, I want to trust you more than ever. I want to trust your word. When I face trials, I want to live by every word that you have spoken. If that's your decision today, would you stand with me as we sing our closing hymn? Would you stand to say, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, guide me by your word. May it be so. Our Father in heaven, you are so wonderful. Lord, you are so good to us. You our love, Lord. Your ways are peace. Your ways are healing. Your ways are comfort. The world does not offer peace. The world does not offer healing. It does not offer comfort. The promises of the enemy are empty promises. But Lord, you have so much more for us. You have such a better way for us that you give to us clearly in your word. And Lord, we want to follow you. We want to follow what your word says, to spend time intimately connecting with you and what you have said. So that as the lies circle all around us in this world today, in this society today, the voice of truth may be clearly discerned from the scriptures, that we will follow what you have said, Lord, and not what the world says, not what the enemy says, and not what our shaky feelings might say. Lord, may your word speak to us all today 
and may we live by every word that you have spoken, that a thus saith the Lord would guide our every step. We pray, Lord, that you will help us in this, help our families, help our loved ones, that they may receive the special guidance of your word, of your spirit, Lord, to guide each step that it may be according to the wonderful word of life, so that peace may be experienced and the pain and suffering of this world will be put away and we need not taste of it. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your help. May you bless us all, bless our church, bless each of us and our families. For this, Lord, we, we pray and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. It's been great having you as a listener. May God richly bless your day. I look forward to having you join me for the next podcast. Blessings and take care.